ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Extraordinary Family Life Podcast. We're your host, Craig and Rachel Denning. Coming to you from Portugal. And I don't know about you, babe, but I'm loving it here. We've been going to the beach and watching the sunset in the evening, playing in the water and the sand. It is so very nice. Walking through the woods. It's just our house and then the woods and to the beach, and it is a little bit of heaven. Aaliyah, who is our 16-year-old daughter, she and I found a Krav Maga and like an intentional hit martial arts training. We have been loving that. Still sore. <laughs> We've been three times. I'm still sore. Even after a Thai massage that Rachel and I went mm-hmm. to get. Like this, this stuff is good. I love it. love pushing hard. We're all going to a self-defense martial arts class tonight. Good, good things going on. Mm-hmm. Raising our new puppies. You guys, we're living the dream. Living the dream. I bought my dream truck, which many of you would laugh at because it's more like a tractor than a truck. But I love it. Got my dogs. And it's we a Defender 180. It's a 130. It's a Land Rover Defender. Uh, they don't even have them in, in the States very much. They've got a few old ones. But Land Rover Defender 130 truck. Oh, it's awesome. So we're Good loving times. it. All these, all these fun things that we've been thinking about, planning on, strategizing for a long time. Or now, it's just the timing has worked out. Here we are making it happen. It's awesome. Yes. And so now we're getting more settled in our house. We're leaning back more into a consistent education schedule. After so, six months of travel, which is extremely educational. Yes. And our philosophy is: you need both. You need a lot of hands-on experiential learning. If you do traveling right, some people go out and travel and they don't learn anything. They're just like, they're just wandering around and, and like they come out of the sea of knowledge without a drop. Without on getting them. a drop on them, I don't know how. Speaking people do about it. books today and loving books, we're quoting from a family Phantom favorite Toll called Booth. The Phantom Tollbooth. Such a great book. Such a great book. Which is a great book for youth to read. So yeah. I, it's a great book for you to well, read, is, adults. There's so many great principles. I think in as there. we go through here, we'll mention books. Yep. And, Perfect. You know. That'd be great. So yeah, you can go out and travel and not get much out, but if you if you travel well, you can learn so much, infinitely more than you can actually get from a classroom or a book or a video, or whatever. It's experiential learning, but you also need book learning. And this is our core philosophy. You have to read the books. Lots and lots and lots of books, hundreds of books, and then thousands of books. I think a, a sustainable, I know this is going to ruffle some of you, but I think it's sustainable to try to average a book a week for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I think it's totally possible. Now, the average American reads less than one book a year. Um, Maybe. Which, I, I've been wondering about checking up on that statistic, but that was something you used to read a yeah, it was a decade I, or two. Though. Yeah, that was, it was less. So it's probably less now. Or maybe it's more because, <laughs> because they're binge is, watching Netflix. Well, yeah, it's insane. We'll talk about those things. But okay, we got to read. And and yes, we are huge, huge advocates of listening to audiobooks. We'll dive more into well, that. Well, yeah, we're going to dive into all of that. So um, essentially, we received a question, which is why we're doing this topic. Um, we have talked about it before, I know, but we talked about it, I think, in our coaching with what is now called the 28-Day Challenge, um, but we're going to do it here. We're going to do it on the podcast because this is you know, a broader audience. So I want to read the question that I received through Instagram. If you're not following us on Instagram, um, I'm World School Family, and Greg is greg.denning, so get on there. It's a great way to connect with us, to ask us questions questions. Okay. Um, do you have a podcast episode or advice somewhere where you talk about how you instilled a love of reading in your children? We parents love reading and have read a lot to the children when they were young. Sometimes we still do now, but no matter which book we suggest, they hate reading and it breaks my heart. Oh, that's good. That is good. good. And, thank you. Thank you so much yeah, for asking that question. You. So first of all, couple things come to mind right away when I um, read this because you know she says how have you instilled a love of reading in your children well I think it's kind of funny because if you ask some of our younger children probably they'd probably be like oh I hate reading I don't like reading <laughs> you know because the definition 
we have as parents of what reading is and what that means versus the definition a child might have don't always match up because in our mind reading might be one thing it means this but to the child it means something else our kids love to read with us they love to have us read to them essentially they love stories yes which I'm, i want to talk about yeah. a lot today the importance of stories um and our our 12-year-old loves audiobooks. He listens to them all day long. But if you said, do you love reading? He'd probably be like, no, I don't. Despite the fact that I want to walk through here today, he does actually love it, even though it looks different than what it used to look like and maybe what we think it should look like as parents. And that's one of the things I want to talk about because sometimes we need to change our definitions here of what it actually means when we say we want our kids to love learning. Taking into the context of, for one, what, what does that actually mean? What, what does it mean? You want, I want my kids to love learning. Well, what does that mean, really? Is it really that well, we just want our kids to sit down and love to read a book? Or is there some sort of benefit or outcome we want from them reading books? Well, you, you said, you, you threw a little word in there. I don't know if you intended to. You said, we want our kids to love learning. Oh, I think yeah. you meant to say, we want our kids to love reading. And I'm, I'm glad you threw that word in there because we want them to love learning. Yes. And we see that as, that's, that's a little bit what we want. We're like, we want our kids to read because we want them to right. learn. And so we want them to love learning. And loving learning is actually pretty natural. Most kids, most people love learning. They, they do. They just wouldn't necessarily define it as right, learning. Exactly. And they wouldn't necessarily connect reading with learning. Yeah. Because think if you think about it, reading is actually um, it's challenge. It's more work. So when you're especially when you're learning how to read, and reading seems like a chore. So you have to have a reward that's commensurate is that the right word with with the effort so if it's a lot of effort to read and i, I vividly remember this because i struggled with reading so much i was such a slow slow reader and reading was so much work for me so i loved it totally transformed my life when my sister read stories so she would read her books so she was a teenager and she would get these these little romantic emotional books and she just would read out loud to us as we were little kids, so we'd just sit there and hear stories. I'm like, oh my gosh. We were like crying together and like <laughs> laughing and just having this just super emotional experience with these families, right? We'd get to know the characters. We'd fall in love with them. And we'd be like, no, 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 please don't. Or we'd celebrate with them. I, I got into the emotional story of humanity. I love that. Then my sister moved out. And I, and I remember like, gosh, I want stories. I want more stories. I'm like, I have to read them. And my uncle was like, ah, he just had this idea. He'd read books, and then after that, he would just get rid of them because what you know, he's like, I've read that. I'm never going to use it again. So he didn't keep his library. So he started handing them off to me. And he handed me this Tom Clancy book that was like 1,200 pages. And I just held that thing, and I like looked how many pages there were, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's retarded. Like, I no. It's, all I saw was work. All I saw was work. But my desire for stories mm -hmm. finally compelled me to at least start. Right. And then I read that whole book and read it fast. I just couldn't get enough of it. It was such a great story. And then, so w my love of stories, my love of learning, and, and I wouldn't have called it love of learning. Right, would. I would have called it love of stories. Yeah. My love of stories compelled me finally to push through the hump of work, yes. the effort of work. And the sense of accomplishment I had as a 12-year-old kid to have read a 1,200-page book I was especially being a slow reader where re reading was so difficult for me. I was, I was over the moon. Right. And I was like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. And that's where I fell in love with reading. And then I just read and read and read and read and read like crazy. Every book I get my hands on, I just read like crazy. And now it was all storybook, all storybooks. Yes. But I loved it. And so I read and read and read and read. Well, then eventually as I mature, and I'm like, dang, I want to figure out how to solve this problem. I moved out on my own. I'm 16. I'm trying to figure out life. And I'm like, oh, I can turn to books. Well, I already had a skill of reading. Mm -hmm. I already had a love of reading. So now I'm like, oh, I can turn to personal development books and professional development books and books that can make my life better. And mm -hmm. then that has turned into still to this day, average a book a week and have for over well over two decades. And then audiobooks came along. 
Well, right. So I want to get there, but I want to. There's a couple things here. One of them, back to this idea of defining what it exactly is, what is the outcome you want by having your children love learning. There's like multiple layers here, and we kind of have to unpack the layers and get down to understanding where we're at and where we're, where we want to go, and you know what level, what layer comes before that. So if we identify, well, oh, I want my kids to love reading because I want them to love learning because I want... For us, you know, I know it's about personal development. We know that when we read, us personally, it helps improve our life. It gives us insights. It, you know, we've learned about marriage and parenting and finances and everything from reading. But for a kid, they don't really care about that as much. They're not, they're not interested in personal development per se. They're not interested in nonfiction right? And so if we think, well, I want my kids to read for those outcomes, and maybe that's what the, out the outcome you want. Maybe it's something different. That's not going to be a motivating force for them. And so we go back to what the, we've been talking about here is story. Story is actually what drives human beings to be engaged in something, to be engaged in a book, to be engaged in a movie, to be engaged in someone telling a story. It's the story aspect. So if we want our children to learn to love learning, ultimately, they have to learn to fall in love with stories. That's the first step. And so, and I think it's important there to, when we're talking to our kids, we're not going to, we're strategically may not use words like reading or yeah. learning. We're just going to, we're going right. to talk about what they want. You, hey, you want some stories? Yeah. Do you want me to tell, tell you a story or read your story? You want exactly. to check out this cool story? And they're drawn to the story, but you're like, hey, would you want to do some learning? Uh, mm. No. Hey, why don't you do your reading? Uh, no. Exactly. Right. So we focus on the aspect that they are drawn to, which is the stories, and we use that to our benefit. And you, in your, your story about your own life story, <laughs> you shared important um, principles there. Like, and, and the same happened for me, too, because I also fell in love with reading because of reading, you know, what, what nowadays we might call fluffy book, fluffy books, you and I. Um, but those were the stories that got me into the reading. And so it was that love of learning about someone and hearing the story and, and, and wanting to get over the hump of having to put in the work that got us to fall in love with the process of reading, which then led to us loving reading. So it's multiple steps here. You can't just say, oh, I want my kids to love reading and like try to make them read so that they love it. They won't. They have to fall in love first with stories. And of course that starts by you being you. absolutely in love with well, learning and with stories right. and with reading. You're in love with it first and then you have to read to them, which they mentioned that that's something they did. They read to their kids. But then we kind of come to this awkward phase, <laughs> starting maybe around 11 or 12, where we may not be reading to them as much anymore, and we want them to do more reading, and we have to bridge that gap. Now that gets difficult because they're at an age where they don't want to read just anything. They don't want to just read whatever you suggest. They want, if they want to read at all, which they may not want to do, it's going to be something that they are interested in. And so that's actually what we have to build on. We do have to use that to our advantage because a lot of parents are like, oh, I can't find anything that my kids are interested in reading. Hmm. Now, I get how that can seem to be the case, but the reality is there is so much content out there nowadays, I guarantee there's going to be Literally something. Literally impossible. Your kids, yeah, it's impossible to not find something. Now, it can be difficult to find something that you might team appropriate because there's plenty of things out there that I don't want my kids reading either. Yeah, trash. So it does take research, it does take looking, it does take asking to find things. But if you can find or when you can find the books that they are interested in and nowadays it's cool because they do a lot of series. There's there's not just one book. It's like series of I mean it's the thing people have done for a while but there's a lot of them out there of series with hours and hours and con my our children have gone through hundreds, hundreds of, hours. of hours in one series sometimes 40 hours in one book of content 
and they love it. They can't get enough. Now, that maybe this is a good time to switch to discussing audiobooks. Um, well, first, I want to I back up because we might be tempted to kind of check the boxes of, oh, yeah, I love reading, and uh, oh, yeah, and I read to my kids, and you kind of check those boxes. But it's worth going back and really examining yourself. Do you deeply love learning and reading? If so, are you actively doing it? Are, are you, and don't, don't just say, oh, yep, I am. Are you actively, deeply in love with learning? Are you pursuing your own education? Be just totally honest with yourself. Because I meet people sometimes, I have those conversations, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, tell me. Like, let's look at this. Let's, let's, let's go in here and really examine. And then we realize in the deep examination, like, well, no, no, you're not, actually. You're, you're not an active learner, and you're not in love with learning. You, maybe you did before, or you dabble here and there, but you're not actively in love with learning. So and your you've most important, your children aren't seeing that yes. process. That's the other thing. So if you are in love with learning, do your kids know that? And it's not like, I love learning, you should read, or you should read because I love it. Like, that's... That's a turd in the punch bowl, right? It's, it's not going to go over well. You have to become so tactful and influential. You have to be a great teacher. You have to be a great mentor. You have to share that love with them, not just by saying it. I love learning. You should too. Why don't you love learning? I love learning. Like that, all that, it doesn't help. It actually hurts. It, it drives them away. Your love of learning is going to be exuded by loving learning, and they see you reading, and then you're like, oh, you guys, oh my goodness, let me tell you this is what happened. And you tell the story. You share the quote. You share what's happening in there. And like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Or no, like they'll see you reading, and then all of a sudden you, you just verbally, no, no, oh my gosh, don't, no. And they're like, what, what, what's going on? You're like, oh my gosh, okay. This guy's in here, and he's about to make a bad decision. I'm, I am... Oh man, I hope he does not do that. I got to keep reading to see if this happens because he can't do that. And they're like, what, 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 what? And you see what I'm doing? You're drawing them in. You're and getting them into what you're feeling. But most of you sit there like you're dead. And look at you like I'd run over and check your pulse. And you're like, yeah, I love this book. And you're like, yeah, it looks like you're dead. So show it and share it in a way that draws them into it. And I did this so well that long before our kids were old enough to read or old enough to listen to audiobooks, I was sharing what I was reading. And they could not get enough of it. They were just dying. Specifically, we always talk about this when I read Les Mis. We were living in Costa Rica, and every day, I mean, they came to me begging, what did you read from Les Mis today, Dad? Tell us what's happening in your book. I mean, they just couldn't get enough of them. And that's a long, long book, and I, I drew it out over months. And so I told them all the stories. They all fell in love with that story. Now it's just in our family. It's just it's part of our family culture, Les Mis. Because I told them all the stories, I drew them in, I became a great storyteller. That's how you convey love of learning and love of stories. And then they just they hunger and thirst for it. So you've got to be really, really good at loving it and then... Well, sharing the love. It requires you to geek out about it a little bit. Like you have to be emotive about the process. Because like I can you were literally saying, hear some of you say, I'm well, not very I'm emotive. Just not like that. Yeah, I'm not that's like that. That's not me. Well, okay, guess what? <laughs> Every, your choices have consequences, yes. as Greg loves to say. And I get it because I'm also not that super emotive person. That's definitely more of Greg's strength. But I have learned how to be more emotive in my own way. We're not saying you all have to be Greg Denning. Neither do I. But you can, in your own way, share what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're learning. The more you share your internal process of what's going on with the process of loving learning, the more they're going to see, oh, this is actually a desirable thing. As opposed to, it looks like this, boredom and pulselessness, <laughs> you're dead, and yet you're telling me how wonderful it is. They don't know what's right. happening. Exactly. They don't know the internal process you're experiencing that makes it a worthwhile pursuit. And you're so, sitting there saying, this is so wonderful, it's so exciting, it's so good, and they're looking at you and be like, you are boring. I don't want anything <laughs> to do with that. 
Yeah. And, and that's just an honest truth. I'm sorry, I'm, not, I'm just going to be blunt. If they look at you and your outcomes and your result and your life, they subconsciously are going to be like, I don't want what you have. So I'm going to kind of discredit what you say. And, and this is a hard truth, but it's true. Well, right. I mean, that is a hard truth because if, you know, especially as kids get older, starting at 11, 12, 13, and into their teens, they do start looking around. And they're looking at their peers, and they're looking at the media, and they're looking at movies, and they're saying, you're telling me to read, but I'm looking around at all these other people, and they look like they're having a whole lot more fun why should I listen to you? Or even getting better results. Like, right. Oh, that's so-and-so. He doesn't read. Yeah. And again, this is holistic. I, this, again, this wasn't the intention here, but this is super important. It is holistic. If, if they look at you and they're like, well, I'll, I just hear you fighting all the time and complaining all the time. And you're unhealthy. You're out of shape. You're, you, 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 you don't look like you're enjoying life. Of course, they can't verbalize or articulate. Yeah, they, they can't articulate any of this. And most of it's subconscious. And a lot of it is literally biological. You're biological. You're just you're trying to figure out life. And you're like, you, just my overall assessment is you're not thriving. You're, you're not doing so well in life. You're not living the life I want to live. And yet you keep telling me to read. So subconsciously, they're going to connect like, well, reading equals your outcomes? Like, I'm out. And so in a holistic approach, you have to be thriving. You have to be living what you're preaching here and, and showing them the benefits yeah. of reading. Yeah, showing and, and, and vocalizing because yeah. often just showing is not enough either. Right. exactly. Okay, so that as sort of the foundation along with getting your kids to fall in love with stories because that is that's the essence of reading at least when you begin to fall in love with it it's the stories really you're falling in love with the stories even in the and great personal you, development books there's tons of stories absolutely. and so we'll share Rachel and I share we share all the stories we can from personal development books we're mm -hmm. reading yeah so you it's kind of this mindset shift you need to make like oh no what I'm trying to do is help my kids fall in love with stories because if they fall in love with stories then they'll easily fall in love with reading. Now, there's another part of this that I want to emphasize or, or mention because I feel that it's very important, especially in our day and age. Um, Greg and I are both from the generation that was kind of the transition between no technology and technology. Uh, in our teenage years is when the internet came out and computers and, you know, we all the things started coming. Before that, if you wanted to learn things, you had books, that was it. Movies did start to come out, of course, and then there's the radio. But things have drastically shifted since then. All of us, all of us know this. Like the world has drastically changed. So much so in the past 30 years, four or less even, 20 to 30 years, that it's a totally different world. And so we, in some ways, we have to redefine what we mean by getting our kids to quote unquote love reading. Because ultimately what we want is the outcome of that process, which used to be only achieved primarily through, or mainly achieved through reading physical books. Now I, this is a great time to jump in here. I am still a huge, huge advocate for paper books as am i and I, you know electronic books are great and when they came out we're like this is amazing i can take hundreds of books and they weigh nothing i can add 50 books to my phone and it doesn't change its weight like we're going to travel with ebooks and then we realized out of sight out of mind mm -hmm. we read less the kids read less it just wasn't there there was no physical presence whatever it is there is something literally connecting with holding a book in your hand and reading the pages. Absolutely. So we've paid many, many thousands of dollars to pack hundreds and hundreds of pounds of books all over the stinking planet. And it, I felt like a pack mule for years. And it was 
hashtag worth it. Yes. So having them is still valuable. Yes, ebooks are great. They're a great advantage. Audiobooks are great. I still think all of us should have paper. So right here, we're sitting in our bedroom recording. Both of us have books sitting on our nightstands. There's books on Rachel's desk and shelves all around her desk. On my office, there's books everywhere. We have books out on our table in the family room. There's books all around. We have books wherever we go. Yes, which is obviously a key part of this. But what I do want to say is that just because we love physical books and we encourage them, we've also shifted. And I, I would say shifted because, you know, earlier on in our marriage and our parenting journey, we were more about the physical books. Like that was the primary um, desired outcome was for our children to read physical books most of the time. But I would say that that shifted partly, one, because technology itself has changed, and two, because we've also realized that not every brain, not every child, is the same. They all have different learning strengths and capabilities. Our oldest daughter has dyslexia. Which forced us... Some of us, our kids have ADD, That ADHD. forced us um, in a hard way to reconsider our core flaw we were just like we will read paper books and then our oldest daughter can't read really i mean she's doing great now but she couldn't yeah and, it was a major oh struggle. my goodness that was just the biggest slap in the face and gut punch for us and we're like oh everything right. we dreamed of and then that's where we had to we forced us to make this massive shift to uh audiobooks exactly. which she well, loves which, and listened to so many audiobooks which ironically you and i had made that shift to audiobooks because they start well books on tape is how they came out we used to get books on tape from the library because we started to get into this mode of learning while you're driving learning while you're exercising you know like we, we wanted to add more learning to our life which we realized cannot happen with a physical book only right. mindset because yep, if exactly. you want to add more learning and you only read physical books well you can only do that when you're sitting down with yep, a book exactly but if you add audiobooks well now you can learn in the car and now you can learn while you're walking and now you can learn while you're washing the dishes so we had made that shift then but then for our children we still were like oh well you've got to first read physical books and then when our daughter had dyslexia we're like oh okay well i guess we rethink this and so we we did the audiobooks and yeah, she, she is a huge learner. She absolutely loves listening to all kinds of books. Her favorite book is Crime and Punishment. And she, but it's all based on audible learning, basically. It's all listened content. So that's one of the things that we have to include in this is when we're like, I want my children to love learning. Well, some of us have this definition of me. That means you sit down with a physical book and you're reading from a physical book. And that's not always going to be the case. Some now, kids literally cannot stand sitting still. Well, that's what I was going to say. And so the barrier to entry is sitting still. Yeah. Where they would love learning if they can move. Exactly. Because we have another son who is an amazing child and, you know, super responsible. But he's this very active learner. He just needs to be moving, hands-on. He absolutely loves audiobooks, but one of the reasons that he loves it is because he can do other things while he's still learning from a book. So he can listen to a book and he can build something or he can, you know, go outside, he can run, he can, he can do other things. So when we allow that definition or that flexibility into their learning, well, we're encouraging their love of learning without having it to fit into these certain specified rules that we have that in some ways are outdated you know because things have changed um and it's this I'm, was, I'm still though an advocate like i know for I, me at least for the foreseeable future sitting down with a nice book in your hand i just am gonna keep advocating well that. absolutely so but, but i think it's important to point out that even though you still love that you average a book of a week, but I would say primarily through it's through Audible books. Yep, absolutely. Primarily the content you're consuming. Like you read physical books every night, so do I. But 
most of your content consumption is still done through audiobooks because yep. you can do it while you're driving, yep. while you're exercising, while and, you're doing these other things. And as you practice, it, it's actually a skill you have to develop how to listen to books. You, you think, oh, well, I can do it. No, your mind wanders. It's all over the place. When I first started listening, I'm like, what? I can't. What? what? I was thinking about this and like two chapters passed. I don't even know what happened. Yeah. You have to practice uh, listening and then you get better at it. It's just with every skill. You get better at it and you then you can multitask, like you can work on something. Now, again, it can't be very thoughtful. If you have to do something very thoughtful, if I'm if I'm trying to measure and work on something and build right, something, then something. I get I, I I'm either listening to a book and I make a bad cut, or I'm making a cut and didn't listen to the book. So it has to be kind of thoughtless, like walking, exercising, washing whatever. dishes, washing dishes. But you get better at it, and then you can increase the speed. So you can go to you know one and a quarter, one and a half, two, and I'm at I'm at two point two now. Is where I listen to my books. And if you were to do that right now, you'd be like, this is incomprehensible. I can't even understand this person. This is crazy. You have to work up to it. And you do not lose comprehension or retention. It's amazing. The mind is even more active and more alert and captures more. It's incredible. Well, what's really fascinating, I've found that our children, and they don't necessarily do this with every book, but on books they've listened to more than once because they do that, they they get these series they love, and then they'll listen to them, you know, once a year or something. They can actually listen to them at three Which is insane to me. Speed, I'm not even there. Which I'm like, but can you from, even understand that? Right. And yet and they've they trained can. their brains yeah. to be able to, and granted, it's content they're familiar with, but... And it's just stories. Yeah, and it's just stories. But, you know, they that's one, something it's they incredible. do. So they, they consume huge amounts of content... But that's one way they do it. And now, think how that diminishes a barrier to entry. Where right. you, you pick up a book, it's a, like I my experience, a 1,200-page book. You're like, oh, man, that's all these words I have to try to pronounce that I can't. The vocabulary's over my head. It's, oh, it's so much. And I have to sound out each word. And they can listen to it at double speed. Mm-hmm. And they have somebody read to them with all their fun voices, and especially when they're characters, and it's dramatized. Mm-hmm. Like, that just... De- eliminates this barrier to entry which there was a part of me that used to think that was a problem i'm like well i don't want my kids to be entertained i want them to be able to do the hard work of reading a book and while okay i get that that has value ultimately if our goal our desired outcome is for our kids to love learning well then why are we trying to make it harder yes than it needs to learning Especially early on, and the vast majority of the time, learning should be entertaining. It, when you're really learning, when you're in the zone of learning, mm-hmm. it's entertaining. Right. There is a time and place for really hard learning. Um, you should all read the the essay by Mortimer Adler, who's it's called "An Invitation to the Pain of Learning." It's phenomenal. But if there is a time and place for that, but it's usually later teens, early twenties. Yeah. If we lead out with that, yeah. then we're basically. We're trying to get them to do something that seems seems hard and miserable. And they're like, why? Yeah. Why would I do that? Well, because you need to learn grit and hard. Yeah, yeah I get that. We're going to learn that. But the best way to draw something in, to fall in love with something, is not to lead with the most painful aspect of it. Because you want them to actually want and enjoy the painful exactly. part later. Because yes. you force your kids to do it. You're like, we do hard things around our kids. Just get gritty. Stop using your six-year-old age as an excuse, right? And we're missing the mark where if we do it right with tact and love and they're in it, then later on they'll joyfully choose the pain of learning and the pain of doing hard things. And and you're out there doing something so excruciating that most people avoid, even most adults, and your kids will be like, this is so hard, but I love it. I think a good example of this was, so our oldest son is 19 right now, and We've spent the past six months traveling. He traveled with us for three of those before he moved out. And while we were traveling, he chose to listen to a whole bunch of books. I don't remember. Well, how many. and he he did ebooks too. He so he and literally read. read books, yeah. he, in fact, on that in that section, he read more than he listened to. Okay, it was and incredible. I think it was about 40, 30 or forty books. Yeah. But in a three month period, in a three month period while we were traveling, and so so just pause right there for a second. Have you ever read like how long is it taking you, taking you, listener, to read 30 books? Like, let that sink in. 
30, and 30 good books, not fluff, not garbage, like 30 really good books. I'm, I'm guessing most of you would be like, whew, that was the last three years or five years. And to get that much, and some of you haven't re- ever read 30 really great books, but to get that much in in, in a three-month period. Plus all of the amount of traffic. I mean, we went to 13 countries yeah. while he was doing it. But the point is, like, we, we led out with everything we've already discussed here for his whole entire life, basically. And so he chose to do this on his own. He had been reading before. You know, it's not like he wasn't reading. He had been reading, but not at that level of intensity. But he also chose to take on hard books. Like, I think one of the ones he read was Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, which is a challenging book, you know. Point being, he chose to do the hard work of reading those levels of books because he wanted to. It was something he chose. Yeah, that was on to his own. I, I, I didn't even say anything. I was not. He just like you know what? I'm on it, and he just he just hit it. Actually, you guys, I did a whole a podcast episode with him on the Be the Man podcast. Yeah, uh, we did the whole interview, talked through the whole thing. It's it is worth listening to. It's really it's really powerful. So. But it came from leading out with the stories and getting them to fall in love with that process along with modeling it for them and, and sharing our own journey of learning and growth and excitement about learning. Um, but also embracing this other way of learning that doesn't have to look just like we it used to look or just like we think it should look with this physical book sitting down. Another, I just want to throw this in because another way that we do this, that we encourage this, that we facilitate this is right now, I think with our 12 year old son, it's a perfect example. And we've done this with pretty much all of the kids, I think, but, um, we have this framework where, you know, they do their morning routine and then they have study time. And when they finish study time, then they are allowed to listen to their audiobooks of choice, the ones they want to listen to. But we, it's not just unlimited listening, right? It's not just like, oh, now you get to sit on the couch and listen to audiobooks for hours, right? Although so, that happens sometimes. Sometimes, it, yeah, it does. But the agreement that I have with my son right now is as long as he's active, doing chores or working on stuff, he gets, uh, he has a time limit password, so I give him an hour at a time. So I give him one hour and he goes and does something and then he comes back and I'm like, okay, what are you going to do next? And he, he, goes and works on that thing for another hour and so he's being active and productive but also just loving listening to his audiobook this is such a good example he is so in love with stories that he'll come to rachel and say hey i'm gonna do all the dishes can i listen to my book yeah he'll come do chores like chores that people don't want he's like i'm gonna go sweep up i'm gonna go clean up i'm gonna go do this thing and he's willingly doing a chore that needs to be done because he loves reading that much so Listen. Not reading, listening. He loves stories that much. That's a great point. The, these other barriers, like other seemingly unrelated barriers, are gladly overcome exactly. because of how much he loves story. Right. And so it's this powerful process of encouraging that love of story. Plus, plus I do include in that, you know, I will buy him a new audiobook, you know, another credit on Audible. It's and part they, of his payment for doing all his work. All of our but kids are constantly asking for more books. Yeah, he's motivated by that. We have 700 books in Audible. Our family library. And, and they're, they're 11 or 12 bucks each, so do the math. We're, we're up $8,000 just in audiobooks. Worth it. Worth it, man. There's, there's so much goodness in there. Um, I, want, I want to back up a little bit and kind of deep dive again. Are you reading to your children? Literally, truly, are you reading to your children? And I, I hope if it's a no, that needs to change. You've got to be reading to your kids. And read books that they will like. Read books that they will love. Now, it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice standards and read crap and fluff and garbage. Find really great books that they love. Read from the classics, but don't like pick classics that they'll get into, that they'll love. Um, I read hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to my kids all of them and it basically the the routine was every night i would read to the kids and it wasn't always and there was time periods when life was crazy when i didn't do it i'm, I'm doing it now again um, right now i'm reading around the world in 80 days 
to my little girls. And it was so cute. Sage, who's nine, she said to me last night when we were reading, she's like, Dad, um, there's lots of big words. I don't understand all the words. Uh, and I'm like, but do you understand the story? And she's like, yeah, I, th- I think so. And I'm like, share me the story. And she's like, this is happening. And I'm like, it's great. And so we're, and, and I'm, I'm cl- quick to point out, you know, share the lessons. Oh, what do we learn from that? Oh, look at that. That's cool. That's cool. And a lot of it is, it's such a beautiful way to introduce your children to vocabulary. And there's a lot, there's a lot of vocabulary in that book mm-hmm. and these little classics, but you're, you're introducing them to vocabulary and ideas and concepts and things, especially that one. He dives into all these details about India and Africa and all this stuff and history and all these religions and all this different stuff. And he's covering it all. And it's just a simple introduction. I don't expect my little kids to understand it or, or grasp it. But what it's doing is just building this little scaffolding that later on we'll circle back to it. Mm-hmm. And they, oh, they've heard that. And, and, and it's, it's all these po- touch points, right? And, right? and introducing it again and again and again until finally it sticks and they have this massive exposure. So read to your children. And then in devotionals, Rachel reads from uh, Story of the World. Mm-hmm. And so we are, we're, we're reading, actively reading to our kids and sharing what we're learning. Well, I want to add that that's actually another benefit of audiobooks is because generally people tend to listen or or have read to them in the case of you reading to your kids or them listening to an audiobook they listen at a level that's above their current reading exactly. level yep. which is actually a positive thing because it's helping them with vocabulary and all of these other things that isn't necessarily happening because there's so true when you're when you're talking about reading there's actually multiple layers there one of them is the actual physical process of what's going on in your brain while you're trying to decipher signs on a page and translate that into a word that you can say so that's that's not actually comprehension you know the comprehension happens more when you can just listen to you're not doing the physical part of it you're just listening to it and you're hearing the story and you're comprehending it and you're you're retaining it yep. Especially when That's you're learning, a different thing. Yeah, especially when you're learning, sometimes the actual reading of it interrupts the comprehension because it's so much work to say the word, identify the word, and right. put the words together in a string. Like There's so much effort going into just reading it that you, you're not putting that much effort into comprehending it. So right. that's a great and point. And so in some ways, if you want your kids to fall in love with the story so they fall in love with books, the more content they can get in that they actually comprehend and fall in love with, well, that's actually better which eventually will drive them to improve their learning skill their reading the reading skill itself so that they can have access to more content and they'll make them better readers when they turn back to it because they have they're more familiar vocabulary. yeah they're yeah. familiar with more of the vocabulary more concepts really powerful um i i mean i thought maybe just for fun we'd read some of the books we have in our audible library as a reference because people are constantly asking in fact one of the other comments i got was what are some books you recommend for um well we have have a recommended reading list and in in my list specifically there's a whole section for youth and i think you adults should read all the books that are in the youth section it's not just for youth; it's for you too but I think it's great for youth. So in there, depending on maturity and reading level stuff, maybe 11 or 12 up, and, and that's that youth section in my list. It's great. But even for little ones, like get one of our favorites was the Illustrated Classics. Yes. Uh, was it, that was a, There's a little white set. There's an entire set. It's white, hardback. It's called the Great Illustrated Classics, and it's basically all of the classics, but in condensed Super form. Super abridged. Illustrated yep. with they simple illustrations. They loved it. They oh, loved those yes. books. Um, Usborne has a great collection of abridged stories. You know, they've got uh, lots of Dickens and, and all kinds of other abridged stories. But I read I read every book um, from Wizard of Oz, all 15 of them. I read all of the Narnia stuff. I read uh, all the Betsy Tacy series. I read all of the Little, Little Britches series, all Little House on the Prairie. I mean, take these series like that that teach great principles and lesson great stories. I read all those books to the kids. Now... That being said, I think especially the teen, tween age, starting 11, 12, on into their teenage years, that's when kids can start to learn this, start to lose this love of learning. And so it can be really important to get them engaged with books that they're still interested in. So I am going to read some that are currently on our list. Now, 
I will tell you, I haven't vetted these because I've gotten to the point where I allow my teenagers to pick the books and they're pretty good at picking and I'll ask them, I'm like, what's in this book? What's the content? Is it appropriate for our 12 year old, et cetera, et cetera. And, and sometimes and they'll like, I got into, Kimball said this and he's like, I got into this one. I listened to the first one. He's like, it wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot of substance to it. It was, right. was kind of lame. So he's like, yeah, don't do that one. So they are pretty good about doing that. Um, but no, I don't. I don't know if we should. It's even I'm worth or valuable some. to share that. But like they they got into the Percy Jackson series, of um, course. Brandon Sanderson series. There's a lot there. But don't don't discount the classics either. I know those are those are kind of those the modern ones are more of kind of their. They're more exciting, more exhilarating, more snarky and sassy. There's some substance. Which... Um, but don't discount the classics, the great classics, the great stories. And, and again, you have to get a story one. And you have to get... And I'll read those ones. You know, uh, The Seawolf by Jack London. The vocabulary is challenging. The writing in that old, the old English or the accents, it was extremely challenging. Our kids couldn't comprehend it. So I read it. And I read in the voices, and I did the voice, and I did that. They all love that book, but they could not read it on their own. Or nor could they have listened to it on their own because they didn't have you there to kind of translate right, it right. for them. So books like that. So I know what you're saying. Like, you know, we don't want to discount the classics, but it can be challenging because it's spoken in a language that's not what we speak today. Right. So it needs some sort of translation. I would say even the same with some of Louis L'Amour stuff because... Our kids have loved that, yep. but there was a time when they just, had a hard time understanding it. <laughs> and so you kind of had to translate it for them. Right. So especially at first, that's helpful. Because I know, like our our 18-year-old son now, he loves Louis L'Amour. But when he first started listening to it, he had a hard time so understanding what, what they were saying. What are they even saying? And so when just... you when you listened with him, and you would listen to the audiobooks yeah. like while you were driving on a road trip or something, and you could help him understand the story and what's happening what they said then that helped him to be able to now where now he can understand them himself yeah. and he can listen to them on his own that's a good so, example i took i took uh, two of our boys and we drove from georgia to guatemala and on that trip i think we listened to five louis lamore books <laughs> and man they just loved it they they couldn't get enough of it and I did too. I absolutely love it. Like we'd stop for gas, and they're like, "Quick, get back in, so we can start the book," <laughs> or we'd stop for food or whatever. Any any break, and they're like, "Let's turn the book back on." Mm-hmm. And it was incredible to for both of them to do that. And our, our then eleven year old was just all over it. It was fantastic. So yeah. So and so in that case, that's done as a co activity, and that's helpful for those books they can understand. Now on their you own. Know what? I forgot about. We did a ton of that. We listened to a lot of books while we were driving together as a family. Yeah, back in our and, Alaska to Panama. Well, days. yeah, then and we we do tons of road trips. We've driven across the country multiple times. We spent a lot of time doing road trips, and we'll listen to books together. And, and I forgot about that. We would listen and discuss a lot of books together as a family. Although that that also doesn't always work and notice as a lot of the kids have gotten older it doesn't work as much because we're all at different levels we all have different interests and so the younger kids are like i don't i don't understand this book turn it off so you have to kind of adjust to the situation and circumstance but what i'm trying to say is while all of that is valuable and i agree with all of that and we may have differing opinions on this i think that when they're listening to things on their own it may be more of what we call fluffy sometimes, um, but it can still be valuable because they're falling in love with the process of learning. So, well, the process I, of listening and story. And I do, I understand that. In fact, my own story. My own story, too. My like, own story. Very. I was reading things as a kid that got me the love of learning, love of books that I wouldn't read today. Right, And I wouldn't absolutely. share. I'm like, yeah, that's there's there's not a lot of substance there, and and I at a, on a principal level like there's so many phenomenal classics, there's so many great books more than you'll ever read in a lifetime, that there's no reason to go through the fluff. There's no reason to consume fluff because there's too many good books that are have substance. Right. But that being said. <laughs> it, that's for a more mature level, yeah. I would say, because while you're still trying to get your kids to fall in love with learning, like, oh, here's an example. We were traveling through Turkey 
Um, we didn't have very many physical books, and we had nothing available for our 12-year-old, and I wanted him to read a physical book just because I wanted him to practice his reading. And we were at a bookstore, and I found Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Now, that's not a book I would normally buy. You know, that's just not one of my <laughs> personal favorites, but I got it. You know, I'm like, okay, he's going to read Diary of a Wimpy Kid. No big deal. He's going to practice his reading. It's something I think he would be interested in. And we got it, and he read it, and he didn't even like it enough for me to buy the next one. But the point was, he read it, and yep. he practiced his reading. That's kind of what I'm talking about here. We do kind of maybe, if we want to say, quote-unquote, sacrifice their standards a little bit, on some of the things we're going to let them read or listen to while they go through this transitional phrase. Yes, we want them to read Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. But if we expect them to read that when they're 12... We're not going to develop this love of learning. So my 12-year-old is listening to things like He Who Fights with Monsters or Percy Jackson or, you know, whatever else is on the list. That's kind of where we need to have this little flexibility, um, if that makes sense. So my, my position is I, I, I don't like that. Well, we've, and that's why I was saying an, we've, we've come to an agreement. We here may disagree a little bit on Rachel that, although that. you do recognize that that was kind of part of your own journey yep. as well as part of my journey. Yep. Um, Mark of the Thief is something they've listened to. Um, oh, but then the other thing is too, like with our our now teenagers, we're we are as a family, older family members, are going through books together that we're discussing. Yeah, we have a list, so really we've done great list of the classics. Um, Obviously, Jane Austen, The Scarlet Letter, we've done. We've done. I'm I'm currently working on Uncle Tom's Cabin, and Moby Dick. I did Moby Dick before that, and all of you have already done those. I'm kind of behind all of you guys. You're ahead of me. Yeah, Red Badge um, of Courage is on the list. Return of the Native. So we have an entire list like that, which I actually should share that we are working on. Oliver Twist was one of them. Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, of course. Um. And then, oh, well, here's another thing, too. Like a great, a great way to connect learning to real life is to connect it to things you're doing. Now, obviously, the travel is a good example because, like, when we went to Warsaw and Auschwitz in Poland, we, as a family, listened to so books about it. So we listened to Auschwitz Lullaby and The Teacher of Warsaw, which were amazing. The Teacher you know? of Warsaw was so... So powerful. Yeah. I had my 12-year-old. We were going to Krakow. I had him listen to The Trumpeter of Krakow. So you connect it to things. So if, you know, if there's Civil War sites around you or something like that, you know, connect to the learning. But try to find something that's, a st again, a story. You don't want to make them listen to some historical book that's dry and boring. You want to connect it with a story that's interesting to them. Gulliver's Travels. Um... Well, okay, there's there's a lot in here. But 700. There's 700 in here. <laughs> Return of the Dragon Slayers by Brandon Mole. That's one of them that my kids Oh, yeah, they really like Brandon Mole and Brandon Sanderson. Yeah. I, I like Brandon Sanderson's book. I think there's more substance in there. Some of them are very good. Right. So, anyways, that's... Oh, uh, my son listened to one about Vikings. I, I don't know if I should recommend it because Viking stuff is pretty violent. But, you know, we went to Norway, and so we learned about the Vikings. So... Again, just some other ideas. So I think that's I think that's enough. That's enough of an idea, a framework, an outline, to basically just facilitate the love of stories. The more you can do that, the more you can get your kids to fall in love with story, which I am going to say includes movies. Like movies are stories, and so if they can fall in love with story, and then you can connect that. I think that's where audiobooks are powerful because anyone. Can well, listen to an audio one, book. one way we navigated that is we would we knew there was a good movie and so we would read the yeah. book and so, or listen to it. It's like, hey, everybody listen to this book. When, when we're done listening, we'll watch it. Exactly. That was a great right. transition. And what was super cool about that is they all noticed the book was better than the movie. Yeah. That's exactly what you want to have happen. You don't want them saying, oh, I don't want to read the book. I'll just watch the movie. Because it's, it's such passive learning for the most part for movies and it's like, oh, it's so little effort. But if they, if they listen or read the book first and then watch the movie, like, oh, the movie's kind of disappointing because the book is so good. That's exactly so what you want going content. on. They're like, oh, I prefer the book. And another thing I will do, you know, because they do love story, 
that if, say, they, especially with my younger children, if they want to watch a movie, and, you know, for us, we try to stick to once a week on that, I'll be like, no, we're not watching a movie tonight, but you can listen to an audiobook, you know. Let's, let's get an audiobook that you can listen to, especially when it's not something that they can do just all the time because that is a part of it. It's not just available 24-7. So you make that a part of something that they're allowed to do and it becomes a fun thing, you know, that's entertaining yeah. and beneficial. Help them want it. Help them love it. Help them enjoy it. Help them see all of it. And as you're constantly reading and sharing what you're reading and it's, it's helping you be a better person, helping you get better results, and you're sharing how exciting it is, how real it is, how relevant it is. You're making connections to real life so that they, they get this sense of like, man, these great old books are super relevant to real life scenarios. They'll help me be happier and more successful. Of course I want books in my life. Mm-hmm. And then you, you oh man, it's, it's beautiful. And then you get into biographies and autobiographies and... And that has has happened, you know, with our older teens. We've just seen that naturally happen where they start getting older and they get more interested in other content. Our oldest daughter especially, she loves biographies. And, you know, Marcus Aurelius, of course, we mentioned in other stoic literature and, you know, on and on. You know, our son right now, he's out doing sales and he's listening to sales books. And they just naturally make that connection like you said where they begin saying oh yeah books this is where we get story and information and and learning and education and and guidance and mentoring and they just turn to those things and then that carries over into podcasts and other you just become a consumer of content which is ultimately back to the original question like what is it we really want that's what we really want we want our children to consume content that has a positive effect on their lives mm-hmm. beautiful and it has certainly had a positive effect in our lives absolutely i can i can wholeheartedly without reservation say that reading has totally transformed my life and that essentially if you could trace it back upstream every good thing we have in our life this extraordinary family life we live this dream life we're living is because of books. Mm-hmm. Book after book after book led us down the path to become better people, more capable, more knowledgeable, understanding human beings, and it's blessed every aspect of our life. And, the, and then, then we get to share it, right? Rachel gets to share it in the 20 Day Challenge. I get to share it in the Master Class. All of this comes from just the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of books across time and space that have helped us understand life and giving mm-hmm. us tools. We get we get to sit at the feet, so to speak, of some of the greatest thinkers and leaders of all times. Or conversely, sometimes some of the worst mm-hmm. thinkers and leaders of all time. You're like, yeah, and it's worth reading. And you get to read tragedies. And, and that's important at a mm-hmm. certain age. You read the tragedies. Right. This series that we're, re- the classics that we're reading with our older teens, a lot of them end there's no happy, happily ever after endings. It's mm-hmm. tragic endings. And they're like, oh, this is getting depressing. Mm-hmm. Book after book said ending. I'm like, that's the reality check mm-hmm. that so many lives, real lives, actual lives, end tragically because choices have consequences. And it is so important to read both sides. That Oh, look, these good choices led to this wonderful outcome. And it's just as important to read these books that say, man, these poor choices led to terrible outcomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Anna getting... Karenina and Madame Bovary oh, are all, both man. on the list. That... Yes, and you got to read those. Well, and even The Return of the Native. Mm. No! <laughs> it's so sad. I get into the story so much and love them and learn from them. So um, this is great. Continue your education. Help your kids facilitate theirs. This deep, deep love of learning. And it'll be such a blessing for our families. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. Reach out.